We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is... He's hes going to be here later. He's feeling under the weather this week, but he's going to hes gonna join us later on for games. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 390. 390. Getting up there. Almost at the 400. That's 10 away. And uh, this week we're talking Uncut Gems. This is the new feature film from the Safdie brothers, Josh and Benny Safdie, starring Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, this is... I'm excited to talk about this movie. But as we get to it, joining us this week to talk about Uncut Gems, we have, back from doing research on Ethiopian Jews, it's producer Aaron Fink. <laughs> Hello. Also joining us from Next Best Picture, he doesn't want it, anything to do with lightning bets, it's Matt Neglia. Hello, everyone. How are the two of you doing this evening? Very well. Thank you yeah. for asking. Can't complain. Thanks for asking as well. Good. Good to have you guys back. I think it's been since the summer that we talked to you on the on the old podcast here. We had to, uh, Aaron, we had you on for The Lion King, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest films of the summer. One of the greatest so animated films of the summer. Golden Globe nominee <laughs> for Best Animated Feature. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> what gets me about that is, like, I don't care about the Globes at all, but it's like, well, that's fun that they went for best animated feature. at the same time though it's like well it's still a bad movie so i don't know <laughs> that, I don't that's know. how i feel i'm like it definitely 100 yeah. percent. my mind is an animated film it's just not one i would include in a list of five <laughs> it just it's still a bad movie that was nominated against other better animated movies exactly <laughs> probably not the few nomination <laughs> Probably lower than the fifth best movie or the fifth best animated movie yeah, this yeah. year. But yeah, glad. All of that was to say, Aaron, good to have you back here, and <laughs> um, Matt, good to have you back as well. It's your second appearance on our program. It is, yeah. Yeah, that means I'm that, climbing up there in yeah, the world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what we like to say on the, on the old Out Now podcast. <laughs> if you make it, if you make it two, t- it's there's. I think I've said this before on the podcast. There's two things you want if you know if you know you're famous in life. It's being a voice, a guest voice on The Simpsons, and being a guest on the Out Now Fahrenheit podcast. That's how. Actually, I, I would say being invited to come back again to the podcast. <laughs> that helps. That that just means you did well on. You did okay on games. At least okay on games. As as we know <laughs> on this it. show, if you don't get any questions right on games games you never get to be back on the podcast <laughs> wow it's quite a rubric mm-hmm. i didn't know we have a lot of good, we good a, to know i got a lot of knowledge up there yeah we're the in and out of podcasts we have a hidden menu about how everything works around here so it's a, uh, it's 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 tricky but you know you don't get to 390 by making things all easy that's what i say <laughs> is that enough preamble to read the actual show i think so <laughs> there's so much nonsense <laughs> that we just talked about uh what's what's going on we got some let's let me get some show notes real quick first up a uh, new commentary track every month on this show in addition to these fun episodes of our great guests that we have we have a commentary track this month in honor of the upcoming star wars colon the rise of skywalker we have a we did a comment we recorded a commentary track for episode three revenge of the sith completing all six of our lucas era star wars film commentary tracks uh, so yeah, that one's up there now. It joins the other many Star Wars commentaries we've done, and it's super cool, packed with info and facts and fun and tangents and all that stuff. So that's, you can find that now on iTunes, where, segue, you can <laughs> go on to iTunes, search for our show, find that episode, find this episode. I don't know why I'd say that, because you're listening to this episode, so presumably you found it. But regardless, you can give us an iTunes review's rating by going to said iTunes. Uh, search for our show. Give us a star rating, that'd be great. Give us a written review, too, that'd be, that'd be awesome. It'd bump us up in the old charts and all that. Um, let's see. 
Yeah, as far as show notes go, um, there's a lot of movies around right now, and coming up next, well, I mean, Star Wars is coming, but there's a lot of smaller films that are getting wider and wider releases, so Abe and I are hopefully going to get in some, possibly some bonus episodes to knock out some reviews for, you know, some of the smaller films that we might not be able to dedicate a whole episode to, so stay tuned for all of that, and yeah, all right, let's uh, get to some Noverbody, who each week asks each other a question or two, tries to th- try to set the tone for the podcast, better get to no everybody um i have just one question for you guys this week are you uh you guys gambling men you guys gamble <laughs> uh yeah yeah i will but not uh, i mean so i grew up in las vegas uh so my 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 thoughts on gambling are complicated but i'll do it when i'm there you know with my friends and stuff but i won't do it a lot uh if i if i lose a certain amount of money i'm done and if I keep winning, well, then I probably would keep playing. But if things turn sour, I usually can walk away. There have been one or two times where I don't and I lost money, and that has caused me to have these complicated feelings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm like Aaron, uh, where I go with friends. Um, in my case, it's Atlantic City out here in the East Coast. And it's usually for like a bachelor party or something along those lines. We don't, at least anymore as I'm getting older, we don't just go, you know, for fun. There's got to be like some sort of an occasion behind it, right? And I will admit, I, yeah, I partake when I'm there for sure. And I do get a little risky sometimes. Um, I will allow myself one gigantic big bet and then a ton of very very small bets my rule of thumb is if i win on the big bet i stop immediately Mm. if i uh, don't win on the very very big bet um i will continue with the small bets until i either break even um or until i uh you know make just a little bit more money but um, I usually because these are small, small bets and um, I usually just go right to the roulette table and I just keep it so, so, so super simple. Um, so I found that if you hang out the roulette table long enough, um, you can eventually always break even pretty much. You go because you go up and down the whole time you're there. It's very, very rare that you just continuously keep going down. Um, so you just don't go, you know, you just don't go up a lot uh, unless, like I said, unless if you bet something really, really big. So if you're like, all right, 200 on red, you know, or something like that, and you get red, it's like, all right, done for tonight. See you all later. Uh, but then if you lose the $200, you'll spend the next, you know, however many hours just sitting there getting a drink order to you every now and then and, you know, hopefully making back that 200 bucks. That's that's my way of playing. I don't take it super, super serious. I don't, you know, do anything else other than roulette. Like, I don't play blackjack or anything like that. Uh, because I do find that the more complicated the game, the more you tend to overthink it, the more you stress yourself out. I like just, you know, putting down numbers, you know, or red or black and even odds, you know, stuff like that. I keep it super simple. See, I get the hard truth yeah. out of everybody on this podcast. That's what I like. You, know, <laughs> you, can, you can go over to Matt's next best picture and hear about some Oscar odds, maybe. But getting the real truth set about gambling and what to do. Here it is. Here's, there's, here's yeah, the definitely right no sports like in this movie. I mean, that that is one of the many stressors of this film. And I have bet on sports in the past. And it's just like no. every every point is like 
Adam Sandler in this movie just like there, there's, oh, too many, God! there's too many X factors. I, I just yeah, like see, we're, I gonna, we're gonna talk never. about this for sure. Like as far as the, the, what he does in this movie, like I watched it again because I wanted to, I had, I saw it back in October. I wanted to like refresh myself and just just watching it, seeing and like I'm not I'm not a gambler to answer this question, but like just watching this play out, I felt like I was gonna get an ulcer from the movie, like just because of how stressful it is <laughs> to see him make these ridiculous bets and like watching him watch this stuff happen and transpire. It's a uh... I un- I understand that gambling can be an addiction for some people, and I certainly you know. Hey, but hey, listen, if you have a lucky charm like a one million dollar Ethiopian opal, <laughs> who knows what can happen? <laughs> like Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Um, he's got superpowers with that thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, that's how you play. No, everybody, let's move on now. Let's get to some out now quickies. DM, where each week you ask, uh, each week you see, each week only we do the way without no keys. Yeah, all right. I had to speed through it. Uh, <laughs> I don't have aim on my side. Uh, <laughs> I need to go through right all right, all right through it. But uh, uh, Aaron, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? You want to make note of? Here? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I watched Missing Link uh, yesterday. No, oh, the critics um, say one specific says it's hilarious. I've heard that. It was. It was good. It was good. Um, other than that, I've actually not seen much um since late november um been busy with work but i did see 1917 um which i thought was quite good one of my favorites of the year and uh i think that was like the most recent thing i've seen i guess in terms of like when it's coming out you know all right cool matt what have you seen uh recently so my December movie watching has been pretty slim, actually. I really have not seen anything new this month. Um, instead, it's been just a lot of rewatches. I typically uh, will tend to save a lot of my catch-up watching over the uh, Christmas break between then and New Year's. Um, I'll sit myself at home, and for a couple of days, I'll just go through like a list of like foreign uh, independent documentary uh, titles that I happen to miss just throughout the year. Um, and that's how I'll catch up on literally everything. But yeah, in terms of rewatches, um, I rewatched Uncut Gems. Uh, I rewatched Hustlers. I rewatched um, Bombshell. And uh, what was the other one I rewatched? I rewatched um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Talk about Bombshell a bit, because I saw that too recently, and that was one that I was going to mention. But are you a fan of Bombshell? Um. I am a fan of Bombshell. I understand why people are not fans of Bombshell. I do think that it's getting beat up a little bit unfairly, in my opinion. But at the same time, I can totally understand why some people are beating up on it. Um, for me, I guess I guess the intentions of the movie to see those people as just that people that had something, you know, pretty horrible happen to them that should not happen to anybody. Um, I really did connect with that, despite who those people actually are and the harm that they have caused to a lot of people and the network that they, you know, stood with and so on and so forth and what that network stands for. Well, I guess that's my issue because I do fall in the latter category. I, I just wonder who's the intended audience for this film? Like that's, I guess, ultimately. Well, I talked I with uh, Charles Randolph, the writer of the film itself. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how in television, 
Uh, you have anti-heroes, uh, people that you are not supposed to like, you know, like a Tony Soprano or someone like that, who is the bad guy. But, you know, the story asks you to see them as a human being with flaws um, that also has uh, desires, has cares, has wants. And even though they are a, a bad person, uh, we can still relate to the qualities that ultimately make them human. And how he wanted to bring that uh, quality to these characters in this movie. And it's it, it, I do think it is interesting because I think we are living in a day and an age where there's always going to be a lot of people that are going to be completely shut off to this and will not want to accept it no matter how much the film goes out of its way to show that something horrible happened to them. Um, and I totally get that. You know, I'm not fighting against that. I'm not trying to make an argument or anything along those lines. Um, and believe me, I don't politically align with them either. It's nothing to do with that. For me, it's it's one of those things where I'll, I'll relate to something that I can really, really understand. You guys all watched Game of Thrones, right? Heard of it. Yes, I've watched it. <laughs> yes. Remember Theon Greyjoy? Remember Heard what an it. asshole Theon Greyjoy was? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, remember when Theon Greyjoy got tortured for an entire season? And they somehow, mm-hmm. by some miracle managed to get you to have sympathy again for that character despite the horrible things that he had done it's because on some sort of a human level um no matter who the person is uh or what they have done there's just certain things that happen to them you just don't want to see happen to really anybody i think that's fair i think the difference i have is for one thing it's you know it's a fictional character but also you have you know tens of hours to work with this person and develop them versus a two-hour movie that has multiple characters that you're juggling between and i think from my that's well yeah i agree with that from i my, think the performances from the actresses really do help to elevate it a lot for me um because you know they're just so damn good you know daron kidman robbie um even though robbie's not based on a real person uh, I, I I think that their performances really help Which elevate is interesting, that. Because I I think of the three, she's probably like the best one. But at the same time, I think Theron's kind of bad in this movie. I I don't like I don't think the performance is all that good either. Um, but it's in speaking, and I don't want to get too hung up on bombshells. I also I, I also want to I, say this too. I like being challenged. You know, by a movie. I don't dislike being challenged. I just think the movie itself is not handled all that well to challenge me. I think it it doesn't it doesn't hit hard enough on any particular side. It just wants to be like, look at this cast of characters that all kind of, we're all playing dress up and making fun of this thing, but we're not really making fun of it. We're making we're putting light on a certain situation, and just the combination of things between the stunt casting, the use of makeup, which is effective, because as far as what it's accomplishing, but the the relevance to the time, the timing of it, given how close this was to everything, the fact that there is a mix of a fictional character and real character, like, all of these things, I think, in the hands of a better director, could work better. And I feel like that happened, because oh. the, big, the big short I think is, is very good, and that's a mix of, like, I agree with that, that. And, 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 and um, fictional characters, and just the, I think, McKay is a better, seems like a better director than... Um, than Jay Roach's, where I oh, hundred percent, like, yeah. I feel like this film lean. It it. I feel like Roach seems to be better suited for the HBO movies when it comes to his kind of like let's make something political or what have you that's relevant sure. in some way. Where I feel like this one just wasn't that successful in what it was trying to do. Like it's not a. I can understand. I I completely respect and understand what you're saying as far as you know getting getting in line with something that's complicated and something that you may not necessarily agree with, but you can understand from a, a person personified level as far as who the characters are. 
I just think the film, I think it's too sloppily made for me to appreciate what it's ultimately trying to do. And I get that because that was actually my biggest uh, problem with the movie actually overall was I wasn't a fan of Barry Ackroyd's cinematography. I didn't like uh, some of the tonal missteps that the movie took. It is very light in the beginning and it does kind of try to take on almost like this big short uh, kind of a style uh, to how it's presenting um, this, the, uh, like the, the Fox news, like set up and the storyline of like, uh, how everything operates and so on and so forth. And there is a bit of absurdist comedy, um, like black comedy thrown in there as well that I know a lot of people, um, you know, had issues with because, you know, they have very, very strong feelings towards Fox news and they feel that it should not be, uh, even made fun of in a entertaining manner. Um, so like, I totally understand where people are coming from with that. I, I think that just for myself, um, I still found it to be uh, a deeply empathetic uh, movie, especially when they show um, the real uh, photos of some of the women that were harassed and you hear the voiceovers from them on screen, um, you know, telling like their stories and such. And it, it, it really did just like impact me um, on that level and really got me to, um, uh, you know, connect with it in that in that way. You know, I, I really, really felt even though d- despite uh, who these women were, you know, you can't change the fact that this is a true story. This ultimately, you know, this all did happen. Um, it may have happened with people that we don't agree with or don't particularly like. Uh, but I, 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 I wouldn't wish I wouldn't wish anyone to ever be sexually harassed, even my mortal worst enemy. And that's completely fair. I think ultimately it comes down to how easy is it to root for some of these characters, not just on a kind of a moral level, but as far as this, is it fun to watch this movie? Like, is it, is it, if does it, given the tone that this striving for, which is, you know, semi-comedic, like, is it like compared to something like the In Sopranos, the beginning, yeah, compared to like the Sopranos, yeah. Yeah. like that's a fictional character, but it's also like, it's sure. a mob show. Like there's, it's easy to get, I mean, I'm talking about one of the greatest shows of all time, but I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an inherently charismatic character that you're following along with, despite like the heinous deeds they're doing. I don't see. Yeah. Any... I think there's definitely flaws. I, I, in the end, I, I still leaned uh, more positive. And I also have this rule too, which is if a film gets me to cry, um, at any point, um, I, I tend to bump it up one extra uh, point on my grading scale. And, uh, Margo's big scene at the end where she's on the phone, uh, got me to uh, shed a tear. So, yeah, I mean, if you know, if your story can hook me in like that much to get me to that emotional uh, point, um, you know, it worked. It worked for me. M- may not work for others. Totally understand the reasoning. I'm not blind to that. I get it. Um, but it worked for me. Fair enough. Um, were there any other movies that you saw? Re- you you repeat? No, repeats, uh, right, just but... uh, just like I said, the repeat ones that I watched okay. uh, again. Like I said, Uncut Gems, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Beautiful mm-hmm. Day in the Neighborhood, uh, Bombshell, and. Um, I think I said one over one, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> we'll play it back at the tape. We'll double it, repeat it, and make sure everybody knows. Um, uh, let's talk about Richard Jewell then, because Aaron, I believe you've seen Richard Jewell as well, right? No, I well, you have didn't not, say that. unfortunately. I'm, I'm misremembering no. our, pre, our pre-recorded conversation. 1917 is the right. only thing that no, I thought. I, I thought before we started recording, recently. I thought you said it. Matt, I was going to say, you want to go from Bombshell to Richard Jewell? Are you sure you want to do that right now? <laughs> well, the media's really been pounded this week, it seems. Like, who's still but, uh... listening right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, it made a whopping $5 million at the box office, so, you know, not too many people wanted to see Richard Jewell to begin with. Glenn but... Eastwood's worst opening in years. Years! It's it's crazy how much like people did not show up for this movie because normally his films do well, you know. Well, his movies they also, I mean, 
there tends to be something bigger as far as the component of why you'd want to see it. What I mean, and when you have Bradley Cooper in, in one of the best trailers of all time, then yeah, that helps. Or if you have Tom Hanks in a lead role, yeah, that helps too. Or if you have Clint Eastwood himself in a lead role, that helps also. Those are his last three movies, right? American Sniper, The Mule, and uh, Sully, right? I just feel bad because I, I genuinely like Paul Walter Hauser as a as a, as a person. Actually, I've I've really gotten along with him uh, over the last uh, year or so, and um, I I know that he's going to be partially blamed for this, which is unfortunate. Well, I, I don't think it's a matter of blame. I just think it's the audiences don't go to see these kinds of movies, especially when there's no one that's going to put their butt in the seat, right? I mean, no, no, no. I mean, like in the sense that he's the star of the film and nobody knows who he is. So, in terms of his bankability as a leading man, um, it's not good for his career. I mean, that's fair enough. At the same time, I'm not seeing even if this movie was a giant hit, I'm not exactly. I don't think it. Paul Walter Hauser, who I do think is very good in the movie, I don't think he's going to go on to like more super big leading roles. I think it's kind of in th- at this scale. I mean, I don't again nothing against him as a as an as an actor. It's just I, I feel like he's kind of destined to be a character actor. Yeah, as... no, I, I I don't disagree with you on that. Yeah. Did you like the? Were you a fan of Richard Jewell? Uh, less so than le- less so than Bombshell. I like I the performances helped me get through it. Um from everyone except for Olivia Wilde, which uh, I recognize is not her fault. That's clearly just Eastwood and uh, Billy Ray's screenplay really just going out of its way to make her character so ridiculous and so over the top. And I don't fault her as an actress. And if she was told to play it a certain way, it just felt so at odds with everything else that was going on in that movie. That's the bigger problem. I know there's been a lot of media about the nature of the actual reporter she's playing and what have you. But my biggest issue is that the just in the film itself, the character doesn't work in the same way. Like it seems inconsistent with the rest of the movie that's being, it really is. Like it's, it's, it's it's a mood. Dramatic license (laughs) is one thing, but if the, the the film just feels like it's breaking because of this part of it, that's a different kind of problem. Um, And regardless, yeah, I, I like, I like the film. I, I, overall, I, in in spite of this, I do, because I do think the, Hauser, Rockwell, Bates scenes. I think those really work. I think the movie has yeah. a lot. There's for an Eastwood movie. There's a lot of quirkiness to it that I appreciated. Um, yeah, no, I really liked their chemistry, all of them together, especially Rockwell and Hauser. I thought they mm-hmm. played off each other very, very well. And um, yeah, the, like I said, the actors really, really got me through this, even when um, you know, because like, like, kind of like similar to Bombshell. Uh, not, well, not really that similar, but uh, the message of this movie is one that it, I don't personally agree with. Um, but I, I don't let that get in my way of the other merits that the movie has to offer. And in this case, I did think Paul, uh, Sam and Kathy were all freaking fantastic in this. Um, I was was joking with my lovely girlfriend about, we were were watching the film together. There's a whole scene set at the Olympics where they have, or like they're, you know, performing on stage, like there's people performing on stage at a concert and Clint Eastwood had to direct a bunch of people to do the Macarena, and that just makes me. <laughs> I, I'm very enter- I'm very entertained by the idea of Eastwood directing hundreds of extras to do the Macarena. Like that makes me. <laughs> okay, put your arms out like this. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that is just very humorous. Um, I'd like to think he didn't like he could have done second unit too, but he's like, no, I I'm directing this scene. Like, this is this is all me. <laughs> part of why I signed up for the... I'm just imagining him, like, describing to someone, like, anyone, just so that he could demonstrate it. You know the Macarena, right? 
you know, you swing your hips like this. <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, oh, all right. So Richard, <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen a few more movies. I'll make note of real quick. Uh, first up, uh, Jumanji: colon, The Next Level. It's the next Jumanji movie. The third Jumanji. I didn't movie. see the first one. You didn't see? You mean the second one? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't see the one with. Uh, I I didn't see the second one with Rock, Kevin, and um. So I I, I missed this one uh, because I still haven't seen the last one. And if we're calling this the Jumanji universe, then of course there's the Thora, which is so that makes this the fourth Jum the, the fourth film in the Jumanji cinematic <laughs> universe. I'm just just saying. Um, well, yeah, I saw Jumanji: The Next Level. I liked the Welcome to the Jungle well enough. I thought I I thought it had some clever ideas and the performances were fun and everything. This one. It's a step down, but I still ultimately like it. I think mainly because of the twist they add involving Danny Glover and Danny DeVito, both Dannys, uh, like being involved this time around. That made Kevin Hart's performance in particular a lot of fun. One thing, he's just not manic because he has to play like Danny Glover, which is very slow. And that plays in like there's a big joke about how slow he talks, which I think works really well. <laughs> And while meanwhile, I think The Rock is kind of terrible in this movie. I, he is his choice. His his Danny DeVito is just him yelling loud and sounding like an East Coast person. Like so, <laughs> cl so clearly doing voices is one of the things Dwayne The Rock Johnson can't do. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty supportful. This there's not much going on here as far as this movie goes. It's just more of that thing that you like the first time around. But there's some inspired sequences. There's a whole. Given that it's still set in like a video game world, there's a whole sequence involving like moving bridges with like big uh, mandrills chasing after everybody. That's actually very, I think, a very clever action sequence and very well done. Um, and there's stuff like that throughout that I think ultimately makes it work. It's consistently pretty humorous as well. It's way too long. It's two hours. It doesn't need to be two hours, but for, for like holiday entertainment, if you can't see many of the other movies coming out, like it'll satisfy. So there it is. And speaking of cinematic entertainments, I saw Six Underground, uh, the new Michael Bay film. I, I got that. a few minutes into that until I was like, I need to come back to this when I'm in the right frame of mind. <laughs> I, I will say, I'll say this. One thing, I saw it in a theater, which I was happy to because if I'm going to see a Michael Bay movie, I'd like to see it in a movie theater. Um, but also, yeah, the opening 20 minutes is all this one continuous car chase, but it's also it's at the same time describing like every element of who these characters are and what the plot's supposed to be. And it's, it's, it's too, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot to have to deal with. I think it really but, was <laughs> and it's it, for a movie that's on Netflix. Like I, yeah, I, you, there's a lot of like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just look down at my phone during this part. Like it feels like it's partially designed that way. And a way the lot of the bad Netflix movies are, um, I will say it does kind of click into gear. Like, and this is rough, but like 45 minutes, and it feels like, oh, okay. I feel like I, I, I feel like I finally have a handle on what this movie's doing, and like all the actors seem to be finally aligned together, and the stuff that you want to see in a Michael Bay movie, sans robots for a change, is there. Like it does like work in kind of the best way it can for a film directed Michael Michael Bay. I tend to be more of a fan of Bay than not, not because of the movies being particularly great, but just because I admire him as an auteur i like that he does the thing that he knows how to do and nobody else knows how to do it like him there's something to be said about that which i think is admirable but i will same... admit that like mm -hmm. on a technical level the guy can do things that you're right I, I don't see many directors even attempting to do some of the stuff that he does um i wish his screenplay 
uh, the screenplays he worked with were better and that's, you know he could actually direct some decent performances out of people but on a technical t- level his yeah. his stuff is pretty unparalleled that tends to be the thing and yeah you have, you have the writers of deadpool here along with ryan reynolds and they've concocted a script that's like i get what the story is and there is and it it seems to like it really wants to make itself into a franchise and it's like all right and again it takes a while to click into gear but once it does it's fine but overall there are some ingenious action sequences there's one involving a boat um that i think like a like a cruise liner ship that's i think a yacht a giant yacht there we go um that's i haven't seen something like what happens in this before in that and there's another sequence involving a skyscraper that i also think is very well done the other problem i have though is michael bay seems to have gotten like he his editing has become worse over the years, which I find impressive um, because it's I, I, I miss <laughs> the days of like Bad Boys and The Rock where those movies are. I mean, for one thing, they're two of his best movies, but also they just the action presented to them is clear. I mean, it's still they're like you have the rapid fire style of editing, but it's still it's not in hindrance to the film where this there's a lot of like, OK, we're we're over cranking it a lot here. Like he's he's trying to like like dwarf tony scott's period of like hyper hyperactive editing and what have you so it's 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 a lot to take it uh, oh yeah last movie i'll mention then we'll, then we'll move on um Anna and i watched this it's making waves the art of cinematic sound a documentary about sound design in film which was uh quite interesting i i can't say it like presented entirely new information constantly but i still really liked the way it was laid out it uh it divides how sound works in film into a number of different kind of categories so you get things like foley and sound effects and dialogue and adr and what have you so like if you're interested in you know the filmmaking process and specifically with sound this is a good uh, good documentary it also has a lot of interviews you get a lot in like from big like from like steven spielberg to walter murch like you get a lot of like you know people that are involved in the history of ben burt of course as well like the people involved in the history of filmmaking and it divides it up pretty evenly as far as like giving chance for a lot of people to kind of speak out about this. Uh, so I, I, it was a good documentary. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Sounds cool. You know, I'm a sound person. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Making waves. Yeah, I watched that. <laughs> cool. and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, that's enough quickies. Damn. Let's move on now. Let's get to our let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about what the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what without them, and what have you. This week, because we're already talking about a New York movie, we're talking about In the Heights. Uh, the upcoming adap- broad- adaptation of the Broadway play from uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's directed by John M. Chu of Step Up to the Streets and Step Up 3D fame. Um, he brings on Anthony Ramos, Corey Hawkins, a lot of people in here. Jimmy Smits, of course, um, directing this feature adaptation of In the Heights. Uh, Aaron, we haven't heard, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about other movies. Where, where, let's, do, let's go to you for a while. What do <laughs> you think of the trailer for In the Heights? Uh, yeah, um... It looks cool. Uh, I I haven't seen Hamilton like so many people. Um, I haven't listened to Hamilton. I kind of feel like I'm doing myself a disservice by not. But I respect Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, you know, in in terms of like what he's been able to do and what he's done besides Hamilton. So um, I didn't really know much about this musical. Uh, looking at it online before I watched the trailer, it seems pretty cool. I'm all down for uh, a musical about people that are not white um, because we don't have very many of those. So the more the, you know, the more the better Um, representation is important. And um, yeah, it looks like pretty, pretty fantastical and fun and I'm in, you know, Uh, I'll go see it. I didn't really know about it before. 
but uh, now that I do, I will I will be there. Matt, how about you? What do you think of the trailer? Um, I think it's vibrant. I think it's got a tremendous amount of energy. Um, I agree that it's got a unique flavor to it that is not uh, like any other uh, musicals that we are uh, getting uh, a lot recently. So um, I definitely think there will be an audience for this. And uh, obviously, it's got, you know, the built in audience uh, from its uh, stage production. So, I mean, there's that going for it. And John uh, M. Chu, uh, you know, can really handle, uh, you know, these big uh, bombastic uh, movies uh, that have a lot of flair to them. I mean, even with Crazy Rich Asians recently, there were a number of scenes in that that I thought were uh, pretty well done. So, yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm also very, very ha- happy for Anthony Ramos, who uh, has been steadily, uh, you know, gaining a bit of a filmography for himself. You know, he had a small role in uh, Star Is Born and uh, also was in Patty Cakes and uh, Monsters and Men, which not uh, not a lot of people uh, had a chance to see. So I think that uh, he'll finally get a lot more eyeballs on him with this one. And um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I've, I speaking of Anthony Ramos. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed seeing him in a lot of films recently. I think he's he's very good at what he does, and it's nice to see him. Like, okay, now he's like leading on the thing. And yes, he was in the, he's been in Lin Miranda's other. He's been in Hamilton. He's been in In the Heights as well. So now he's you know in the the feature version. Um, mm-hmm. Vibrant is a great way to put this as far as the trailer goes. I do think it it has a lot of life to it, which is something I expect from John M. Chu. I, we've made no, <laughs> no secret on this podcast that step up is a fun franchise. Uh, and <laughs> the step up 3d arguably for me, the best of that franchise. So like having John M. Chu doing just a bigger budget musical dance production, like, yes, that makes perfect sense to me. I've liked seeing John M. Chu come up in the kind of cinematic world, some missteps here, or there, sure but at the same time he does tend to bring a lot of energy to his movies especially ones where you get people to kind of or there's a lot of choreography involved whether it's dancing or action sequences i can't say that now you see me too has stuck with me but i do remember there being a number of like sequences in there where it's like yeah this is why you have john m2 in the director's chair he he can handle this kind of magic action or maction you can go with that right um (laughs) regardless Uh, as far as this movie goes, yeah, I, I like the fantastical element of it as far as in addition to being a musical that has something to say and you know, representation, what have you. It also is bringing its own sense of imagination to it. There is like a shot where two people like get to the edge of a building and kind of lean over the side. But it, you, yeah. the way the perspective you see of it, it's gra- It's you know, it's, it's obviously gravity defying. There's things like that that I look forward to where it kind of mixes the kind of old school Broadway musical aspect with the kind of modern nature that we saw in something like La La Land. Uh, if it yeah, can pull it's that, fantastical. If, mm-hmm, if it can pull that off, then you, it looks like you got yourself a big summer hit on your hands, and I don't not expect that to happen based off just, you know, having, like you mentioned, Matt, having, or Aaron, having a, a cast that you don't, you know, quite see in the lead roles of movies very often, and it being, you know, having a summer release date, I think there's a lot of a lot of potential there for this to be a big hit. And the trailer's just, I think, well-constructed. You get, yeah, you get, it's a really yeah, well-cut trailer. Without, like, delving too deep into, like, what the actual plot is, you just get a good sense of, like, Very here true. are a bunch of people, they look, there's fun here, there's going to be some drama, and it's, you know, it's hitting you on, like, all the points that you'd want for to sell a movie like this. There's also that something to be said, too. That is definitely one thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. There's also something to be said, too, for the fact that um, it's really coming out heavy that this is a musical. I feel like a lot of movies in their marketing try to hide the fact that they're musicals sometimes. And I agree. this is this has its heart right on its sleeve. You know exactly what it's going to be heading into it. 
And I I love it all the more for that without even having seen it yet. <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because a lot of, like the musicals that come out these days are still hits. Like there are a lot of movies that used to be hits just based off the fact that it's another one of these, like a Richard Jewell, for example, in the 90s. I could see that easily breaking the bank to some uh, much more than it did, you know, this weekend. But a musical still see it's still pretty reliable. Like there's not many musicals that bomb. Like they they do well in the midst of yeah. amidst of you know superhero movies and you know spectacle films and animated features. Musicals are another reliable genre, which is, you know, it's neat to think about. They're but, reliable, but they're they're very hard to get made. For sure, I don't I don't worth. disagree. But I mean, you got two Mamma Mias. <laughs> it, uh, summertime, people want to you know see something like that too. Uh, and yeah, yeah, the difficulties notwithstanding. Regardless, uh, In the Heights arrives in theaters uh, June 26, 2020. So uh, there you go. All right, let's uh, let's get stressed out. Let's talk about the. Let's go to our main review and talk about Uncut Gems. How you doing, Holly? How's it going? Good. Hey, Howard. Good. 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 made a crazy risk to gamble and it's about to pay off so i want the celtics to cover i want the celtics halftime i want garnet points and rebounds what do you know i don't know i just know what's the dumbest bet i ever heard of i disagree i disagree gary You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? Is it too late? Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! What do you think? I'm done. That means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black Jew power. This is my way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole family. I heard you free surf at your swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel? You think your life is more important than my I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family! Get the kids out of the house! You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. Little, KJ, little, little, little. it's game night. You should be stretching out. Hey, what is it, your coach? Nah, just a crazy-ass Jew. That should have been some of the trailer for Uncut Gems. After an absence from theatrical films since 2015's Pixels, that's right, it's been a minute, Adam Sandler, besides all those Netflix films, Adam Sandler is back on the big screen as Howard Ratner, a New York jeweler in way over his head as a high stakes as as far as high stakes bets go however with a rare gem in his possession he not only attracts the attention of the celtic star kevin garnett but finds himself balancing all of the people in his life who either want something from howard or are fed up with him meanwhile howard is just chasing the win aaron are you familiar with this with the safety brothers work in general at all do you see uh good um, times or what not, 
I, I have seen Good Time, but that is unfortunately the only Safety Brothers film I've seen. And um, when I saw this film, they were at the theater for uh, Q&A. And in talking about all their other films, they made me want to go and watch them. So I'm definitely going to rectify the fact that I have not seen very much. But I did think that Good Time was one of the better films of that year, um, 2017, I believe. I'm, yeah, yeah, and I'm right there with you. I, yeah. I thought Good Time was great. And I believe Heaven Knows What, their film before that with a resident slimy actor, Caleb Landry Jones, um, that's on that's on Netflix as well. Um, but what did you think of Uncut Gems? Well, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, as I said, I, I did get to see it with uh, them talking about it afterwards um, a few weeks ago. And... Uh, Man, it was stressful in a similar way to Good Time, but like also not at the same time. And I don't want to get into too much of why that is, but I just thought that overall it was ambitious. It took risks. Um, not everything that it did made sense to me. And, you know, I, I like to think of myself as, as a relatively intelligent film, uh, film viewer. Um, so, Fair. you know, there's well, some stuff I'll, I'll that was like go. a. Yeah. so there was some stuff that was just like the choices that they made i didn't entirely understand but i went with it and and i was you know enjoying myself and it is fun but also funny and also sad and um shocking and kevin garnett was surprisingly good as an actor um the way that they talked about how they got this movie made was really interesting too they always wanted adam sandler um which i think is is it speaks to how perfect he fits into this role um not only from like the writing side of things but also from how well he performed and i would hope that the academy sees to getting him nominated for this because he deserves it um i don't know if he deserves to win because there have been some pretty phenomenal performances in all the categories this year Uh, but he really made the movie for me and um yeah it just it it i don't know how it managed to get more and more stressful as time went on um but also be really funny and like so many different things and when you walk out of that theater you just feel bad (laughs) but like in a fulfilled way if that makes any sense and I don't know if that, I hope that doesn't give too much away. Um, but, you know, every time something goes good, you know, it can't really last. And that's just kind of who Howard is, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. you can't you can't have nice things. Matt, where are you with the uh, with the Safties? And what do you think of this movie? So I'm actually a big fan of the Safdie brothers. I mean, they're from uh, my city of New York, and uh, I'm actually one of those people who discovered them uh, pretty early with Daddy Longlegs. Mm-hmm. Um, I eventually went back and uh, found a way to watch uh, The Pleasure of Being Robbed. Uh, I watched Heaven Knows What, watched Good Time. I was greatly anticipating Uncut Gems. Um, I was at Telluride this year where it was having its world premiere. I was stoked to watch this movie. I was so excited. I have had a very interesting relationship with uh, Uncut Gems actually this year uh, because when I first saw the film at Telluride, I gave it a 5 out of 10. Hmm. And that rating is still on my website of nextbestpicture.com. I refuse to go back and change it. Hopefully, I will do enough podcasts uh, now (laughs) that I've seen the film two more times since then 
to rectify and admit how wrong I was when I first saw the film. But let me tell you why, though, because hmm. when I watched it to tell you, Ride, um, I thought it was just an all around grating experience. Um, and I know Good Time also had this anxiety driven style of filmmaking um, that I felt was very appropriate for its crime setting and uh, the manic desperation of that character. And I got a sense of that here as well. In fact, actually, a lot of this reminded me of um, the Coen Brothers film, A Serious Man, where it's just okay, like yeah. nothing can go right for this guy, you know, and every time something does go a little bit right, he finds a way to just fuck it up all over again for himself, you know. Um, so there was a lot here that I appreciated. I, I think it's Adam Sandler's best performance he's ever given. Um, better than Punch Drunk Love, in my opinion. And I think that the Safdie brothers have um, a great command over their style of filmmaking that I definitely think shines through. Where the film lost me and why I had such a miserable experience with it was because the sound when I saw it at Telluride was just so freaking loud in that theater. And with the constantly uh, overlapping dialogue, the fact that most of it is people like yelling at each other, um, the music by Daniel uh, Lopez. Lopetain? Lopetain? Lopetain. Yeah, Daniel Lopetain. It's also uh, mixed in pretty heavily to the point that just after uh, two hours and near two hours, 15 minutes of this, I had a headache by the end. And I just was like, you know, when I go to watch a film to feel tension and anxiety, um, it's not because I want to feel that through. Uh, the yelling overlapping dialogue and like the loudness of the music and everything else. Um, that's not what I'm going there for. So I saw the film was getting all this positive buzz and people were really loving it. There were some people who felt the way I did, but very, very small. Um, I saw it again. It's so funny. It's so funny yeah. that you mentioned this sound because when they were talking, they oh. said that they had just remixed the whole movie. Yes. Um, so and- <laughs> I, I, yes. So at my second screening, they were there and I personally went up to them and I spoke with them and I told them about my experience at Telluride and Josh literally slaps Benny in chest and he goes, see, man, I told you people were going to say stuff about the sound mix when we <laughs> debuted it. And, and he's like, and he's like, man, he's like, you know, we rushed it for the premiere. It was like 95% done, but you're right. We went back and we retinkered it. And he's like, what'd you, what'd you think of it tonight? And I was like, yeah, dude so much clearer i could make out the dialogue it was not excruciating it was fantastic you know, a quick, i really quick, enjoyed it so quick, much more quick sidebar like there is a there's a youtube video from director david f sandberg who did shazam and he talks a lot about you know his filmmaking experience where he came from indies and obviously he's now he's making movies like shazam and he talks about sound for a bit in that little like youtube clip where he he mentions like it's better to have a movie with good sound and bad video than vice versa and he shows examples where you see like a garbled sound mix with okay with okay picture and it's like that's way better than seeing you know clear picture both garbled sound and uh, i and now having just watched a literally watched a sound documentary it's like all of this makes sense as to like yeah that could easily affect an entire experience of watching a movie so i'm kind of fascinated by the mm-hmm. fact you you had this play into like your experience watching uncut gems yeah, so the second time I was so much higher on it, and then I watched it for a third time now, uh, most recently, and I realized that even um, the ending of the movie, which, uh, Aaron, you said before is a bit of a downer and makes you feel bad kind of leaving the movie theater and stuff, I do – that's the one thing I now struggle with with the movie a little bit is like what is this movie ultimately trying to say? 
Um, mm-hmm. Does it actually have a message or is it just a genre exercise? Because if that is all that it is, is it is just a genre exercise and a showcase for Adam Sandler to do something that is unlike anything else he's ever done before and do it so freaking well. Hey, you know what? Martin Scorsese made Shutter Island and that was a genre exercise. So why the hell not? <laughs> you know, like I, I, yeah. I think in that they, regard, they, this they is just a fun movie. No, well, they definitely have a tendency now to be really interested in genre, and they're not shy about that. But, right. I, I mean, all I can really see in terms of, like, what is it trying to say is, like, you reap what you sow. <laughs> you know, I mean, because they, cause they, they, they had the plan. The, the plan for him throughout the 10 years of making the movie was always the same um, without mm-hmm. giving anything away. So, you know, like, it... it, it they clearly knew what they wanted to say about this person. I don't know that it's something that we haven't seen before because, you know, that people tend to get what's, what, what's coming to them, you know? Um, but luck just I, I think runs the, out at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but, but I think that they put their spin on it. So, you know, I guess maybe it is more of an exercise than anything else. I, but... I disagree. I because I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I'll get to my overall thoughts too. But I, I do think there, I don't deny that there's a you know a genre element to this because obviously, but at the same time, genre has led to many filmmakers to utilize their thoughts on various things involving politics or whatnot and express them in a way that's you know more palatable for a viewing audience. I think of horror specifically as far as you know yeah. using various things for that over decades. But with this And movie, maybe there is something about the Ethiopian Jewish mining uh communities that they are yeah. trying to get at here. I, I don't know, but I'm what sure I there's yeah, I, I mean if you stay through the credits there's a phone number you can call. But I mean there there I do think there's <laughs> beyond the beyond like those some basic themes is yeah, reap what you sow and things involving gambling or what have you. I do think the the concept of fatalism came to mind a lot in this movie as far as where where can this lead to and what's actually possible or what's mm. been predetermined and i think that plays into the the, na- the nature mm. of gambling to begin with the idea of something random yeah. versus something that's established i i think that there's some some interesting thoughts you could have as far as kind of the balancing between the two as far as my overall thoughts on the film we'll get back to this obviously and other things i do think the film's fantastic i i fortunately i guess i saw a film with a proper sound mix the first time around because i was just floored by this movie watching it i um the, the anxiety aspect of this film was ridiculous. Like I've, I, we've, we've talked, I mean, it's funny. Martin Scorsese is an executive producer on this movie. And he's talked a lot about, you know, theme parks with the superhero movies. This movie was a ride. This movie is a roller coaster ride from start to finish. I, I can't remember the last time I sat, like I literally sat on the edge of my seat at points. Like that's not even just a saying. I like actually, I leaned forward and like rocked back and forth. Cause I just, I couldn't grip the kinds of things that Adam Sandler was being put through and what he was, <laughs> uh, very purposefully doing to doing, himself, doing to himself in this movie. <laughs> there's so much, and there's so much of that. There's a sequence. Let me call back this song. There's a sequence in Punch Drunk Love, a film that I think is fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies where Adam Sandler is dealing with like trying to sell his his novelty plungers, as he does, um, dealing with uh, Emily Watson's Emily. Emily Watson's character coming in and one of his sisters coming in and he's getting a phone call. Like there's like all kinds of things at the same time happening. That's all of this movie. <laughs> like That's, that's this movie for 135 minutes. It's constant barrage of things attacking and interrupting and playing into Howard's life. And I mean, I haven't, per- I haven't been to New York city as of yet. 
at the same time, this is like this seems like it's one of the most clearest representations of New York I've seen, as far as not just like a like look at you know what's around and what have you, like the the constant noise, the everybody moving around, everything happening like all at once. That's what that's what I, that's the impression I have of New York on it from an outsider perspective. Matt, am I am I close yeah. on that as far as how that goes? It's always just constantly moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that I think that the Safties are able to capture extremely well. Um, and not just the Safties also, but Dar- Darius Kanji, mm-hmm. who I think is one of the uh, most underrated, best cinematographers uh, working today. He has shot so many um, incredibly fully realized films like Seven and Evita, uh, The Immigrant, you know, um, I think that the way that they are able to capture um, just the messy, gritty, but yet still hyperkinetic vibrance of uh, New York City is just like it feels so alive and yet so raw at the same time. Um, it feels it feels dangerous, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it it really does. It's amazing feel because dangerous. The, the jewelry store is is a stage, you know, and, but uh, but everything on the street is real. So, you know, they. They definitely had the help of the of reality there, but it's also again with sound. I mean, the sound mix is so good; it makes you feel like you're in that building. You know, yeah. it makes you feel like you're in that city, and all those things that are happening are there. Speaking all the people, the honking horns, the traffic moving by, and there's Howard on his cell phone, and next thing you know, someone else is coming up to him, and it's just go, 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 go. And that's very much what New York, just walking through the streets of New York, um, especially it's very heavily populated areas, that is exactly what it feels like all the time. Speaking to that more, and I, I, you mentioned Darius Kanji as a cinematographer, what I really like, one of the things I really, I mean, I think this movie's it's one of my favorites of the year what i something i really like about it is how in the midst of this big giant city it constantly feels like the walls are closing in around adam sandler it, it feels like it's very much designed that way you talk about his shop his shop is literally doing that as far as like the way the 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 security entrance is designed how it's how and you you said it's a set right aaron like it's an act like they built the shop. Yeah. it's not an actual yeah. like location mm-hmm. it it feels yeah. like, i mean another thing it feels like a set, but it feels like it's designed very much to make you feel like Howard is trapped because like, it, the yeah. shop is very narrow on purpose. His office is narrow. The the way he moves around it, there's not much space. And I feel like that happens throughout the movie. There's places where he's literally enclosed in a number of spots where he can't get out of where he is. The, the of, club. The, the club he goes, the, loca- the the school play he has to go to. It's kind yeah. of, it feels like... the. He can't. He can't. He's all. He's constantly suffocating. That's what it feels like in this, and I think it's it's wonderfully shot as far as getting across this idea of where he is in relation to everybody else and how this thing looks and whatnot. And it's just like the energy they the Safties bring to this thing, mixed with the the score in here with the heavy heavy on the synth and what have you, and the the way it wants to kind of show you what the what what addiction looks like show you what gambling addiction looks like i think it's all right there and i think sandler yes i agree it's his best performance and i am a fan of when he does things that feel of value such as this film such as punch on gloves such as what um uh funny people i think there's like a lot of movies where he when he you know wants to do more than just hang out with his friends in an exotic location for a weekend like there's there's a lot here that he can tap into and he does fully in this movie it's 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 an absolutely fantastic performance of a, but you of know a man what he's able crumbling. to do yeah he, he's always been able to do this thing in uh even his romantic comedy films which is he's able to give us the sad puppy dog eyes 
Because he's pathetic. Um, he plays pathetic in a lot of movies. Exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And here he's playing another pathetic character. I mean, the way like the way Idina Menzel, uh, his uh, wife, treats him and everything like that. I mean, like he fully deserves it, you know, from her and from everybody else who thinks that he's a piece of shit, you know, because he really he really kind of is. But Sandler just has this quality about him that when he tries to connect with his daughter or he tries to connect with his wife or he tries to appeal to uh, Arno, um, who is um, his brother in law, um, there there is a sincerity and something about like his uh, vulnerability that he's able to just kind of seep on through um even, and it's like you forget or at least you don't know if he's lying or being sincere um or is this just another one of those times where you're saying you're going to do good but then you're going to just fuck it up again you know uh but even despite all that his acting is so so great especially in those quieter moments that um, I, I, it really comes together when he has his breakdown in the office with mm-hmm. uh with uh, with um Julia Julia with Julia, and he yeah. just finally like kind of you know realizes that nothing he does is going right and that he is a fuck up and he just has like this ultimate reckoning with himself uh in that brief moment it, it's it's so well done I I have to say that like I knew right away when I first saw the film that I knew it was his best performance but. I also got a chance to meet him on the campaign trail this year and he is just such a genuinely nice guy and he, it's very clear that he really really wants it and he's putting in the work this season to really get um the recognition that a lot of critics groups are giving him but I do fear that he is going to miss out on an Oscar nomination in the end which is a shame because <laughs> Just like Sylvester Stallone for uh, Creed a few years ago, I never in my wildest dreams would would have ever thought I would be arguing for Adam Sandler to get an Oscar nomination. But here we are. (laughs) What's needed, I mean, the performance he's giving, it's only like similar to like Punch Drunk Club. It's just like a couple degrees left of what he normally does. It's not like he's he's not a chameleon. Like he's not like he's inhabiting the body of another. He's not he's not. You know, he's not one of those. He's not Christian Bale as far as no, transforming but, himself. He's but just a guy Saf- that he's, he's, he's what the Safis are able to do. They're able to um, they're able to figure out what it is that he does do well, mm-hmm. and they're really able to whether it was in the screenplay because they said they wanted him from the very beginning. Whether they crafted the screenplay around his best qualities or whatever it was, they were somehow able to hone in on that and make that work. It's kind of like. Um, like uh who am i thinking of channing tatum okay who i personally don't find to be the most charismatic you know actor in the world but there have been certain screenplays where i think channing tatum you know i think struggled a little bit early on in his career to kind of find you know what kind of an actor he ultimately was and once you know he started getting like recognition for his work and everything it was because like okay he finally figured it out like this is what he could do well he's not really good at this you know, and I think some actors, yeah, they, they may not be chameleons. They may not be able to do, quote unquote, everything or anything. They might be only able to do a certain number of things. But I think that over time, you know, we can really, really figure out what they're good at. And I'm sure they probably can figure it out, too. And they know their limits. You know, Aaron, you, Aaron, you understand that as far as like pairing actors or filmmakers is as is essential as just being able to be naturally good at acting. Right. Well, yeah, but but it. I also agree with Matt in that, you know, they 
they knew what they wanted from him because they knew that they wanted him. So, and, and then I imagine that they're good collaborators too, because, you know, they get good performances out of everybody that I've seen, um, you know, even down to the smaller ones and, and especially in good time. I mean, Robert Pattinson, it's like a force of nature in that movie. So yeah. I, you know, I think that they just are really good at getting what they want out of their actors, or, you know, you could say the same thing. Like, you could also say that maybe they're really good at just letting their actors go with their instincts because, you know, mm. um, Robert Pattinson is a terrific actor. And, and if this character was created with Adam Sandler in mind, then Adam Sandler going with his instincts probably was the right thing to do. Yeah, there's certainly I mean, it's a collaboration. We all know that. So it's, it's a matter yeah. of you know trusting each other and doing what you need to to get. The... It has to be that because mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett is not a professional actor. He's a professional NBA basketball player. And even though, yes, he is playing himself in this, even he comes off as convincing and he doesn't distract and he doesn't uh, ever have a moment where he breaks my illusion. With no, he, the has to, he has to hit movie. certain beats that you believe in, such as yeah. his, well, obses- but, but his obsession with the, the, the rock or the, you know. Yeah, but think about the natural showman that he is mm-hmm. in the NBA or was in the NBA. And I think that probably has a lot to do with it, too, you know, that they can. But but again, you are correct. Like they are extracting that or or a, creating a space in which he can feel comfortable enough to just become that person again, but yeah. in, in a professional filmmaking environment. So it but is like, very impressive because he does feel natural. Much like Sandler, I'm, I'm aware that they did have it Garnett in mind, I believe that that was like that was. I mean, well, well, actually, I think they wanted Amare Stoudemire for a while and 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 Amare was going to do it. But then he decided not to for some reason. So that they changed the script a lot because they they never really were specific about, you know, what team it needed to be or Mm -hmm. what player they wanted it to be. The Knicks, obviously, um, being from New York. So that's what they went with at first. And it just never worked out. And so this is just kind of how it came to be. And so obviously every time they changed who it was, they had to figure out what games they could use as the games to bet on. And so, you know, yeah, the script was, changed a bunch. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like what they had to like think of things that were like chronologically could make sense within the time frame that they want to work in. Cause the movie's set in 2012. <laughs> like it, it has a very right. specific time and place that it's set in. Um, that's another thing too, that you just mentioned too, about the games and everything like that. Like uh, one thing that, makes the Safety brothers so just endearing to me is um maybe because i have discovered them when they were just just starting off in the like super super independent film scene but their films still feel incredibly independent and they said to me like this project uh was definitely the biggest project they've worked on yet and i agree with that i think oh, sure. each one of their movies have progressively gotten a little bit bigger than the last one and there is something really really exciting about that to watch how each project It's not a huge leap from the last one, but there is still like a natural progression. And it makes me like wonder um, just how far they're going to go uh, with that, because and I'm not I'm not saying they're going to go into like big budget filmmaking, like, you know, in the Marvel sphere or anything like that. They're signed up for a 48 hours remake, I believe, is their next project that they currently have in the works. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But when you're mentioning the stuff about like just getting the footage for the games and everything, I'm sure you know, like I said, coming from the uh, very, very tiny independent film scene, like that's a huge like deal. Like they, that's like a huge thing you got to do all of a sudden, you know, and rewriting the script and everything. And I, there's something just endearing about that. Those are the problems that these guys have to worry about and they have to fix on a daily basis with a project like this versus um, having 
so many cooks in the kitchen with these big franchise films that cost $200 million or whatever it is, you know, I want them to keep working in this space and I don't want to see them do like a $100 million film at any point because I really do feel uh, very much like the Coen brothers um, in terms of if I'm going to compare them to a directing duo. Um, I do feel like they are the most exciting directing duo to come out uh, probably since the Coen brothers. And I think they're well on their way to establishing a legacy for themselves that could be up to the same par as those two. There's certainly a there's a there's a feel they have to their films that feels unique into themselves. That's not saying there's exactly not others that do. But, you know, if you attach these guys to a to a a bigger budgeted movie, something that exists in a hundred or million or plus what have you, I, I still think there's a way where they can make that work as far as this is how all, films like ours look like. It wouldn't be in the same realm as, I don't know, looking at like Captain Marvel where you have Bowden, Bowden and Fleck on that film and it's like, all right, they're involved and they like, they worked with their actors, but it's clearly like they had a lot of second unit to do all the action scenes and all, like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel specifically personal um, where... But they also they, like edit at, their movies. Um, uh-huh. I saw a, a photo what, recently what, what today on Twitter. At the, of... at the same time, you have something mm-hmm. like... I mean, if you want to stick with Marvel, Ryan Coogler's film looks like a Ryan Coogler movie still to whatever that means. Like it still has like the the things that invo- that he wants to say in his movies feel present in that film. I mean, I think there's there's a way that the directors like the Safdies could incorporate themselves into something bigger were they to want to. Because uh, I do think they have a, a certain stamp that feels more identifiable than other you know directors that are out there that come from smaller means or what have you. Anyway, what <laughs> um, other things? There's something I wanted to bring up about this movie. I mean, I mentioned the New York thing. The movie, like, there's a lot of. You have Adam Sandler, you have Lakeith Stanfield, and Adina Menzel, as far as wrecking the, and Eric Bogosian, as far as wrecking the, and The Weeknd. Let's uh, not forget The Weeknd. You have some, you have some recognizable figures in here, but I like that a lot of the supporting cast is not is it's not only made up of like you know character actors or what have you, but like people with very distinct faces. Like think of like the bodyguards that have that hang around with Arno. Like they're not just yeah. like every other you know character act. They feel like guys that just really stick out to you, right? They 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 have a, they have a, the way their voices, the way they look, like it feels very authentic to the city. And I, I feel like that that's something that was hung throughout the movie. There's a lot of authenticity it seems here. Like they really wanted to strive sure. for not just casting the kind of familiar people you see, but people that really feel like they belong in the realm that they are in. So that, the, the, the one bodyguard, feel like... yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they cast people from the Diamond District, like for the really small stuff. Like, um, yeah, actually, I'm remembering a story they told. Uh, the the FedEx guy, um, uh-huh. that was like a real FedEx guy from the Diamond District. And he was like, they were, you know, they were tr- planning to have him work there. And they he found out that they needed him for a full day and he was like shit guys i don't know if i can get a full day off and he's like never taken a day off in 25 years you know it's he because he delivers diamonds to these really like really high-end stores and really expensive stuff and it means so much to him and so i think i'm pretty sure that they they ended up using that guy and you know that that's just the kind of filmmakers they are they want they want that authenticity like you said matt you were saying about the bodyguard Oh, I was going to say Keith Williams uh, Richards, who plays uh, the the bodyguard uh, Phil in this uh, movie. You know, it's like I I, I, I I don't think he has any other acting credits to his name, but he has a voice that when I listen to him say like any line of dialogue in this movie, 
it is just so unsettling to me. I really want to get him a glass of water so badly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that is such a unique and interesting quality that really does make the film uh, stand out and makes these characters feel like real people to me. Um, it really just helps with the immersion into the world. Yeah, we have a big recognizable actor in Adam Sandler. Um who, you know, we can sympathize with and we can really, really latch on to because we know Adam Sandler and we care about Adam Sandler. But then you've got um, Kevin Garnett and The Weeknd playing uh, versions of themselves, which helps to ground us within reality. And then, like you said, uh, you then get these character actors or these um, smaller uh, names or people with, uh, you know, first time credits that just come in then and it just kind of helps to balance everything out. Even then you, when you have someone like Idina Menzel or, um, Eric, uh, Bogosian, Bogosian, who's in, um, now like lately I've, I've recognized him in billions and also in succession. Um, you know, it, it, it still does not break my, uh, immersion from the world that they are creating here with this. Um, and yes, it's, uh, it may take place in the past, but it's one that is still it, it still has to feel authentic. It still has to have these tiny details, whether it is in the set design or if it's in the way the characters behave or the dialogue that they just simply use with one another or down to the smallest details like, oh, I like this guy to play the bodyguard. Why? I like his voice. You know, it's like <laughs> maybe maybe that was the conversation. I don't know, you know, but. It, it really just helps to make the film stand out from a lot of other uh, crime dramas that I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of lately, you know, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You can tell that they're paying attention to the details. Definitely. I mean, they're also involved in the editing, like I was saying before, and yeah. they write it, they, they, they direct it. And I, and I just saw a photo on Twitter uh, earlier today of like Benny holding up like a boon mic on set. It's like hmm. <laughs> these guys, I, and I, I've spoke to them about this too. They, because of where they came from with uh, just being extremely hands on with the entire filmmaking process, they are a little um, uh, un not unwilling, but they, they, they're relenting a little bit with giving up some of that for other people to come in um, as their projects continue to get bigger and bigger. Because to them, uh, much like like I said, like the Coen brothers uh, said when they uh, received the Oscar, you know, for No Country for All Men. Uh, they still feel like they're doing the same thing that they used to do when they were kids, you know, making these big movies that get all these awards and recognition and so on and so forth. And I think the Safdies want to hold on to that. They don't want to lose uh, what got them to the dance. You know, they, want, they don't want yeah. that signature touch, that signature voice and style. Um, and I don't want them to lose it either because, damn, do I not enjoy visiting uh the, the world of these <laughs> paranoid these grimy very stress inducing characters. worlds that they've made that are super yeah. fun to watch <laughs> oh man it, it's a ride like you said it really is um and yeah going back to what i was saying at the beginning if it does have something to say it feels extremely uh, like I've seen that before, you know, you reap what you sow. Okay, fine. If that's the message of the movie, I've seen a bunch of crime movies that express that message. Okay. You know, but if it's just going to be a showcase for Adam Sandler and, um, you know, like I said, some, ex uh, some genre exercise in terms of anxiety inducing filmmaking and things like that, at least do it super well and credit to these guys for doing it super well. 
the movie has a lot of there's a lot of funny bits in it too. I just want to make note of. Oh that. It's God, it's a, yeah. It's a, yeah. Like that, like Judd Hirsch, his involvement in this movie is both very stressful in terms of what he the main thing he has to do but also it's also very funny <laughs> the, yeah. it has this movie has my favorite cameo of the year by the way it's it's very quick um i won't get into it but it, it, it involves oh. when adam sandler's trying to is it over his... the phone no it's not over the phone it's oh, okay well that there's another one yeah there's a couple cameos actually i guess there's a vocal cameo but there's it's a moment where adam sandler's trying to his son needs to use the restroom and he tries he knocks on the door of his neighbor and it's, it's such a it's oh, such yeah. a specific cameo or like that makes it more perfect because it's not like it's someone su- like super huge it's just like that's great like <laughs> that's yeah great. um and just the how how that plays out and how quick it is it, it's very funny to me absolutely um, any other thoughts on uncut gems before we kind of move on i think we've talked a lot about various aspects of this movie yeah i just um just all the music and the sound was so great and oh, daniel yeah. lopatin you know, has worked with them before uh, under under his other name, One O Tricks Point Never on Good Time, and um, he's you know a pretty interesting dude. I've listened to a lot of different types of music by him and under a lot of different names over the years. Um, wouldn't say like I'm a super fan or anything, but it's just cool to see his name keep popping up in different places as different things, and he's still doing his thing and. Um, he is there's some interesting choices some interesting score choices at times but it, it was really really fascinating and um, very cool I, I really enjoyed that part of it all right well when should people go and see uncut gems Aaron when should people see this movie um I would say if if you know who, who the Safety brothers are and you're into their kind of filmmaking then go see it immediately and if you don't know who they are and you like you know, intense uh thrillery type stuff that has uh, a funny side to it at times um maybe if you like shane black you know you'll also want to go see it soon it's not for everyone but that doesn't mean that it's bad it's it's pretty good pretty darn pretty darn good matt when should people see this movie oh they should see it right away i actually if you would have asked me this question uh when i first saw it I would have been extremely hesitant and I would have cautioned people about this movie. Now I'm at a point where I'm showing this movie probably to my parents over uh, the Christmas break. In all honesty, uh, I, I I feel like Adam Sandler is a good like and en- like entry point for a lot of people like, oh, what's that Adam Sandler movie? I kind of want to check it out because it's Adam Sandler. Um and then I think if you just temper the expectations, like, hey, listen, this is not like an Adam Sandler comedy. Um, this is a crime film. And like, oh, what kind of crime film? Um, lots of anxiety. You know, it'll stress you out if that sounds like your idea of a good time. If you want to be stressed out for two hours, 15 minutes. And if they're down for the ride, I'd say take them on the ride, you know, because it is exactly that. It's a ride. You know, I love what you said about uh, Martin Scorsese and the Marvel theme park thing, because (laughs) this is exactly that. But just like on that Scorsese level of quote unquote cinema, you know, so I I think that in that regard, just like I would show like Avengers Endgame, you know, to my family, um, I would have no trouble showing them uncut gems because I think the effect that you walk away with is still one in the same at the end of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Dad's movie corner. He loved this movie. He had a ton of fun with it. That's um, awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say see this movie whenever you can. I think it's very good. 
Uh, so yeah, specifically if you're into kind of the like a '70s grimy crime film, you know, this is gonna you know do that on overdrive just because yeah, like Dog Day it, Afternoon. Yeah, it, yeah, how it plays with your anxiety. Um, but yeah, there's just Ooh, a lot. Dog Day Afternoon is so good. It is. There's, there's just <laughs> a lot about this to recommend, though, for sure. Um, so we're going to move on now to games, but unfortunately Abe is not going to be joining us. I mentioned earlier he was under the weather and I texted him to let him know, Hey, we're getting ready to do games. And he's responded. He's like, I'm just, I'm a, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. So we're going to, we're going to move on. Gamey. He's not Yeah. But he has sent me his game. So you guys are going to play together, um, in this segment. Oh, that, wow. yes, we do in fact call games. That's cute. Yep. Well, that is, of course, the improv theme for games. And yeah, I do have a game for you guys. <laughs> I need to pull it up real quick because it's Abe's game. Game Warden. Here we go. The Game Warden. Um, that finale thing. <laughs> um, all right. The game here we have is Movie Taglines, Gemstones, Jewels Edition. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to be reading the tagline of a film that has, you know, some common link to Uncut Gems as far as Gemstones, Jewels edition, Jewels go. And you have to guess what the film is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Abe has put all this together, and I see all these things here. Some of these have multiple taglines. There are clues as well. So if you guys don't get where this is going, I'll you know be sure to give you all some right. of those clues. If you think you know the answer, buzz in with your name by saying Aaron and then the answer. I want to okay. say for the record that I know Oscar trivia, tagline <laughs> trivia is not my forte, but let's 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 give it a whirl. Yeah, it's not going to be mine either, but I imagine there has to be it can't it can't be that hard. Is this like movie poster tagline or is this trailer yeah, the ta- tagline? The, no, the movie poster tagline. Okay. All yeah. right. But yeah, I'll I'll go through them and uh, yeah, we'll see how we do. There's hints. We'll we'll be okay. We'll Some of these okay. are easier than others, and yes, there are hints. Here we go. Here's the first one. And remember, this is Abe's game. So if you want to get mad at somebody, get 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 mad at my <laughs> my, my sick co-host Abe. If that's what kind of person you are, getting mad at a sick person. But anyway, let's let's do this. <laughs> first one. Tagline is: They're back again and romancing a brand new stone. Oh God. They're back again in romancing a brand new stone. So it's the sequel to Romancing the Stone, is what you're saying? It would seem like that's the uh, natural answer, so now you just have to identify that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember what that is. Uh... Oh, it's about... Wait. Okay. Uh... Can you give me... Is Is there a hint? Something. I mean, okay, I'll say I'll give you this hint. It has even it has the word gem, stone, or jewel in the title. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. There's your hint. I can't. Because if you don't know, you don't know it at this point. Uh so wait. It it gem. involves a major river in the world. Oh. Uh, uh Aaron. Yep. The jewel of the Nile. That is correct. The wow. Nile. Good yep. for you. I've the the yeah the river. Thank, I've thank never you. seen that, that before. So I've only seen them. No, wait, I have seen both of them. Yeah, this, but the second one's really bad. I um, just know about it. I didn't. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I just know that they made a terrible sequel. <laughs> Here, here's the next one. This is a very vague tagline, but there are clues. In May, the adventure continues. <laughs> yeah, give me a. <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, I'm gonna read actors that are in this movie, starting from the bottom and going up. Okay. Kate Blanchett, Ray Winstone, Karen Allen, Shia LaBeouf, 
Oh, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Make sure to buzz in. Oh, sorry. It's all good. I'll give you that one. Here's, an, here's the next one. <laughs> you only get one. You only get one. Here's the next one. There are multiple taglines. There's two taglines, but this first one is great. Let the magic begin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hint, please. Hint, please. Here's the next one. Hidden deep within the school lies an object that you can make immortal, that can make you powerful, that can make you deadly. I used the word school, <laughs> and the first one was let the magic begin. Aaron? Yeah. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? The Sorcerer's You got the right one. The Sorcerer's oh, Stone. Oh, damn it. Wow. Answer. Here we go. Here's okay. the next one. Here's the next one. When evil screams throughout the world, when all three suns converge, when all that's fair and fine seems lost, a hero will emerge. It rhymed. <laughs> the other tagline is, another world, another time, in the age of wonder. <laughs> now, here's your, here's your hint. There are no humans in this movie. Oh, uh, Aaron... John Carter? It, there are, I mean, oh, no, John there is Carter's a human in that movie. movie. Yeah, never mind. Here's the, no here are the actors. Here are the actors. Ugh. Catherine Mullen. Frank Oz. Jim Henson. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> the, yeah. the Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal is the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Oh, that series. Wrong. That series was amazing, by the way. Do you I guys talk about the, TV series? Okay. Uh, we do sometimes. I mean, depending on you know what we're talking about. I haven't watched yeah. it yet, though. I only I only recently caught up with the movie for the first time, and I was surprised that there were no humans in that movie. I was like, "Oh, that's what this is." Okay. This yeah. Really complicated. Um, the show is very much worth your time. It, it it it's a little slow goings, but it once it kicks in, it's just so good. Um, for, if you like high fantasy, which I know you do. Well, here's the next one. Okay. No one has found a diamond until now. Aaron. Yeah. Blood Diamond? It is Blood Diamond. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I was just waiting for Blood Diamond because I thought I, I was going to have to read that, read more of these, because the next tagline no, was from I... the director of Glory and the Last Samurai. <laughs> that would have given it away. <laughs> then I would have buzzed in, but... Okay. <laughs> no, We're I going. just knew. I was like, oh, if it's gem-themed, there's going to be a Blood Diamond question. <laughs> I just had a few. I, had, I was tuned in to Abe there. I have no idea if you guys would get this one, so I almost want to skip it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hunting for buried treasure was never this much fun. That's not going to help you at all. Um, <laughs> but the actors are Dan Aykroyd and Kirk Douglas. Oh. Oh, oh, um, shit. Uh, I, uh, diamonds? It is diamonds. That's correct. Yes! <laughs> nice. <laughs> Islands. I was That's just funny. looking at Kirk Douglas's uh, filmography the other day because it was his birthday, and I was there just scrolling go. through, and I I was like, well, I, <laughs> damn it, that's awesome. Okay. Happy accident. Here's the next one. Follow your heart, discover your soul. It's so vague. There's a, there's a, sec <laughs> there's a second one. One ambitious manager, four unknown singers, the tour that put them on the charts wasn't even on a map. Oh, uh... Oh man, I know. Based on a true ah. story. Yeah, I can't. Uh, Aaron. Yeah. Is it? No. Shoot. Sorry. No, I take it back. It is a it type back. of gem. You mean like the title? 
Yes, the title is it's a type of gem. Keep going. It, it stars Chris O'Dowd. One of everyone's favorite Chris's. I do like Chris O'Dowd a lot. Um, what is this? A- anything else? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I I feel like any other clue is just going to, you know, keep you like, oh, yeah, that's another clue. The, the movie is The Sapphires. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. All. Yeah, that, I did not know that one at all. Point for me. This is, that's a good movie. It's, a, it's a, like a small little movie, but it's yeah. I've yeah, not seen that movie, so it's like yeah. it's what I think it's it's like Motown singers, and they're like in I think it's during Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken. Like they oh, go on tour. That sounds nice. So like yeah, he he's like a manager, and he gets him gets like gets him on a tour and everything. It's like a nice like comedy drama. Here's the next one. Feel the love <laughs> tonight. <laughs> here, here are the here are the actors. Claire Danes, Diane Keaton, Dermot Mulroney. Oh, 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 Family Stone. Uh, sorry, Matt. Family Stone. Family Stone is the correct answer. Yeah. There, there it is. Yeah, you got it. This game's getting close, and there's two more. Oh, boy. I think there's two more. Yeah, there's two more. Okay. <laughs> ta- Prepare to be blown out of the water. Uh-huh. Here's the next one. Over three thousand islands of paradise. For some, it's a blessing. For others, it's a curse. Um, that didn't do it. Okay, no. it's a very long title. It, hmm. it's the first of a franchise. Can, can you say? Can, wait, can you say the the tagline one more time? Prepare to be blown out of the water. Right. Over three thousand islands of paradise. For some, it's a blessing. For others, it's a curse. Aaron, okay. you both oh, in. Yeah. Aaron uh, in. Is it is it Pirates of the Caribbean Curse yeah. of the Black Pearl? It is Pirates of the Caribbean the Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay, cool. <sighs> Matt, did you have that too? When you said uh three thousand uh like in the islands, I was like uh, and I thought it was the Caribbean, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Here's that islands was what did it for me too. I was yeah. like, wait, what? Could it be? Here's the last one. Mm-hmm. She's out of his mind. She's out of his mind? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's actually a clever tagline for a movie I'm not thinking yeah. of. She's out of his mind. I will say it. It stars a couple. Mm-hmm. Okay. The names I think will give it away. So I'm trying to think of better clues right now. Um. Hmm. I know oh. Oh. Wait. Uh, I don't know why this would be it, but. Aaron, her? Incorrect. On the okay. right track, though. Okay. <laughs> one more clue. Give me one more clue. I'm trying to think of another clue. Um, let's see. It involves magical realism. Put that there. Um, there is a... A character is created because of someone else's work. Um, uh, Matt, uh... Oh my god, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's one with Paul Dano and uh, yep, uh, uh, Ruby Sparks. Ruby Sparks is the correct answer. You got it. There you go. This is so stressful. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> this is perfect like really this, hard. <laughs> perfect for this episode. Well. That is the end of you. I was the last one. And Matt. Oh, God. I don't know if I could take any more of that. That was like (laughs) nerve wracking. Because it's like you're on the spot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
despite uh, some tremendous effort, you you unfortunately you only placed second place out of two here because Aaron, you were you were able to walk away with this game, not walk away with it. It was a very close game actually, but good job both of you. But Aaron, you are this week's winner. I'm just happy hey. to be in contention, honestly. <laughs> you, you did a good job. No worries. Good going. All right. Well, that was games, and thank you, A, for that game. Feel better soon. Um, next up, we have uh, some out now feedback. 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 This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We go over some questions we ask the listeners. And, they, well, they, we didn't get any questions this week. But, uh, Aaron, Matt, feel free to join in, jump in with any answers you have for the questions we're going to go over here. Uh, these are all themed to the very, there's like five movies that opened this week. So I got questions all over. First one we have here, what is the most stressful movie you've ever seen? Jeffrey writes, No Country for Old Men. Catherine has The Passion of the Christ. Todd has Free Solo. Corrine has The Onion Field. Justin has Black Hawk Down, Gravity, and Apollo 13. Scott has Requiem for a Dream, Bicycle Thieves, and Run, Lola, Run. Chris has Dogville or Irreversible. Oh, and Free Solo. Hmm. Most stressful movies you've ever seen. Uh, I remember I answered this question, I think it was last year, um, but I remember my friend Will was super stressed out by 8th grade, and I (laughs) was going to say that, but there was one movie I watched on Netflix that gave me so much anxiety. It freaked me out. I was pacing around the room watching the film and I could not stop the film. I could not stop watching. And that was uh, a film called the kindergarten teacher with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah. The kindergarten teacher. Yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. That I, I was so scared for where that movie was going to go. <laughs> I was freaking out. <laughs> Um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead came to mind, um, the Sidney Lumet film with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ethan Hawke. It's a good one. That that movie, the editing in that movie is so amazing. That's something I've always admired about that film because Lumet was like like 79 at the time or whatever, and it just was so energized. It was ridiculous. Aaron, do you have any stressful movies? Um, not ones that weren't already mentioned in, uh, your, some okay. of your listeners answers. I, I think, you know, gravity definitely came to mind. Oh, for um, sure. and, but, but good time too, really was yeah. Yeah. quite stressful. You know, what's, you know, what's a really stressful one? Whiplash. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. For sure. <laughs> My palms were sweating watching that movie. Um, Dunkirk was pretty stressful, like in a real oh, yeah. IMAX theater. Yeah, I thought about that too. Yeah, I thought about um, generally. Uh, I find that like seeing those big loud movies in big loud places makes makes it just perfect. You know, nineteen seventeen was pretty stressful at times. Yeah, nineteen seventeen definitely. I felt that um, there was a there was a tremendous amount of cathartic release with that film too. Uh, that really really helped. Uh, it's one of my favorite films of the year, actually. <laughs> well, next question Agreed. we have here: Who was the best athlete turned actor? Tyler writes The Rock. Mark Pace's friend of the show writes Shaq. April has Dave Bautista. Catherine has Dwayne Johnson. He's so funny. Justin has Dwayne the D is silent, the Rock Johnson. That's 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 a listener that pays attention. Um, Scott has Jim Brown, Dirty Dozen, and 100 Rifles. Uh, Chris has Jason Statham, who was an Olympic uh, swimmer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Alan Aguilera, friend of the show, has Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Marcus, friend of the show, he has Ray Allen uh, from He Got Game. And Graham writes, you're all wrong. It's Terry Crews. <laughs> Terry Crews is pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go with my obscure uh, Guy Ritchie pick, Vinnie Jones. He used to play oh, for, uh, for, 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 for uh, Sheffield United. Yeah. 
Um, I, I actually really like the Dave Batista pick because I admire that instead of going the route of the rock, um, and settling on just doing big Hollywood, you know, blockbuster films, he is trying to push himself more creatively and, uh, wants to work with, uh, our tour, uh, directors that, um, yeah, like he take, he, he's taking it very seriously, you know, the craft uh, of it and he's not trying to just, um, uh, work off of his name to build himself as a brand. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think like the rock has done it extraordinarily well. Um, well, but that's I, like I, that pinnacle example though. That's a different, yeah. Example. I also, I so many of those. he's not trying to, <laughs> I, I, I admire the fact that he wants to be his own person and not try to copy what the rock has done. That's fair. Um, at the same time, Dave Batista's done a share of shit too. Like he's done some deep direct to video action movies. Like he's sure, some stuff sure. There. But no, as far as like yeah, like seeing him in like Blade Runner or whatnot, like he is he does seem to be challenging himself, and I can admire that. Yeah, and I think uh, I can't remember what what he said his next thing was going to be, but there was something else that he got cast in that uh, um, he was pretty pretty excited about uh, from a creative standpoint. I'm trying to remember what it was now. Is it a Godard uh, movie? Did Godard cast Dave Batista in something? <laughs> No, no, no. I think it was. Uh, it was. It wasn't that can announcement where he's like, "Guys, guess what?" You've no, no. You know what movie. it is. It's. Uh, I. I should have known this because we just said Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's gonna be in Dune. It's Dune. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if he was announced in the next Godard movie, let me tell you. Here <laughs> for uh, All right. Next question. What's your favorite body swap movie? It's in reference to Jumanji. Uh, Justin has seventeen again. And Chris has Big. Oh, Big is good. I like Big. I'm a big fan of Big. That's big a good, is one, a good yeah. answer. I, I, I will admit that uh, when I was young, I enjoyed the uh, remake of Freaky Friday. Oh, yeah. Fun. That was fun, a lot maybe. of fun. Yeah, it was funny. Jamie Lee Curtis is pretty uh, good. 2002 or three, whenever it came out. But yeah. Whenever it came out. Time. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I think I think I noticed it on Disney Plus the other day and was like, oh, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, Disney Plus. Not a sponsor. Um, next question <laughs> we have here. What combo of older actors would you like to see on screen? This is in reference to the two Dannys in Jumanji. Renee writes, they are both retired, but Jack Nicholson and Sean Connery. Oh, gosh. Wow. Which made me immediately think, okay. has there been a movie of Jack Nicholson and Sean Connery? <laughs> <laughs> nope. They're retired. Huh. Older actors. I don't know like about that together. one. Hmm. No older actors you want to see together. You don't want to see like Max von Sydow and Judy Dench do something together. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, like after I watching mean... the two popes recently, I, I can definitely imagine that there are some pairings I would definitely be interested in seeing. Um, give me a minute to think on this one. This is a good. This is a good question. Well, for, for I mean, if you're talking about two popes, what I'm saying is just make a sequel: two popes, two Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that one it's like too fast too furious <laughs> i'm aware don't get me started what the third one's gonna be called <laughs> let me tell you oh, if no. history goes the way i'm thinking it's gonna go it's gonna be a japanese pope that's all i'm saying <laughs> Tokyo pope. that's right <laughs> what if that happens <laughs> All right. Uh, Any other older actors? I mean, I mean, I mean. In all honesty, seeing like De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci together again in The Irishman was just such a dream for me. Um, 
I'm trying to think of like right now who I would want to bounce off of Jack Nicholson because he is someone I truly, truly miss on screen so, so much. And I'm just trying to think like who would be like the perfect uh, scene partner uh, to play off of him. Uh, just give me a minute. Huh? Off of who? Jack Nicholson. Of Jack Nicholson? Um, hmm. Well, we already got, I mean, Bucket List really made all of us just die for, I don't know what to go with that. That movie's terrible. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what I'll do? I'll take this. Because I, I, give me, give me like some sort of a uh, dramedy, like, uh, like old, like old age dramedy uh, with Jack Nicholson and Judy Dench. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I will be there for that. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, what's your favorite action sequence from a Michael Bay movie? Ooh. Uh, Nguyen writes the island's train wheels flying wasp dangling logo. Still ridiculous. Such is the man's trademark, but Bay seems to know to stop himself before any things really go overboard. I don't know about that. I remember being really impressed with the Hummer Magnum double flip. Um, Scott writes, the, I like how that's very specific, so I applaud that one, because some of these aren't as specific as I would have liked. Scott writes, the one where he blows himself up so he can stop making horrible movies. <laughs> Renee writes the The Rock and the First Bad Boys are both great action films. Chris writes just finished watching Six Underground and the opening car chase was pretty epic. Justin has Yep The Rock and Bad Boys. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, writes the forest fight in Transformers Two is still a stunner. Christopher writes I like The Rock, but the car chase on the freeway in Bad Boys Two is remarkable. And Richard writes The Rock from the beginning to end. Same for Bad Boys. Favorite action sequence from a Michael Bay action movie. Michael Bay movie. I'm sad to say that uh, I don't really know Michael Bay movies well enough to answer that question. You haven't um, studied. You haven't studied like I have. No, not really. <laughs> um, I I think that I probably enjoy stuff from The Rock or Bad Boys Two the most. I would say for individual sequence, I would say the uh, freeway uh, chase scene in Bad Boys Two is pretty awesome. Um, and so is uh, the 45 minute attack sequence in Pearl Harbor. Um, that's a really oh, crappy movie. Yeah, no, I forgot that. That's that's my fit. That's my, yeah. I'll that whole that, that whole yeah. sequence is phenomenal. Um, yeah, that movie stinks, but that that stuff was in super intense. The, the that Pearl was like Harbor Saving Private Pearl, Ryan. Good. Yeah, the, yeah. The Pearl Harbor stuff in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, because his movies uh, do tend to be, like, just jam-packed action fests, like, from beginning to end, um, I have I have absolutely no problem saying the entirety of 13 Hours probably qualifies. Because I feel stuff. like that movie is just its action sequence sustained throughout the entire runtime of that movie. <laughs> it's got, I mean, from a technical level, I once again agree. There's a lot to, like, admire about what he does in there. Um it's definitely his best movie in a while. <laughs> it's fine. Are you a pain? Are you a pain and gain fan? I like pain and gain. Yes. Yeah. Um. I. I don't. I don't really like it in the way that I know a lot of people like really really like it. I. It was that. It was what 2013 when you had a lot of like movies taking on the financial system movies coming yeah. out as far as like that and Wolf of Wall Street and various other movies. Um. And I was like, yeah, that's one of them. That's for sure. And it, I. I just wish it was tighter. It's like there's a there's a good like 
150 minute movie inside of this 132 minute movie that I, I wish I could respond to more. But yeah. I think it's The Rock's best performance, honestly. I think he's great in it. Oh, he's, he's fantastic in it. He's yeah. very funny. And Walbert, like, they're, and they're all so big. Like, it's ridiculous. Him and Mackie, they're like, they're so, like, big in that movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, there's a, I mean, Scott mentioned that forest fight in Transformers too. There, that is actually is a really good sequence involving IMAX cameras or what have you. The there's an airport shootout in the first Bad Boys that I'm a big fan of, uh, mainly because Michael Bay partially paid for some of it with his own money at the time, which was always like that's a cool move, um, and he was successful with it. Um, anyway, next question: favorite films about the media? It's a reference to Bombshell. Todd writes UHF. <laughs> Justin has Nightcrawler. Tyler ha- Tyler Smith, friend of the show, has Network. Scott writes All the President's Men. Maxwell, friend of the show, writes Shattered Glass. Christopher has 15 Minutes, Network, All the President's Men, and His Girl Friday. What a perfect... I just watched the front page... Billy Wilder's The Front Page uh, just last night. Um, which, His Girl Friday, was same adaptation, same play. Uh, Scott Mendelson <laughs> writes uh, Nightcrawler, The Insider, Spotlight, and Spotlight. Uh, Jeff writes Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. And yes. Nick writes uh, Citizen Kane, Network, The Sweet Smell of Success, The Social Network, and Zodiac. A lot of great movies Ooh. being listed here, guys. How <laughs> many yeah, other yeah, favorite movies I'm, about the media? <laughs> I don't I don't know if I consider the social network to be in there, but um but I would but I will say network one hundred and fifty percent because it's uh one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I can I can, like the social film. it is an excellent film. As far as social network goes, I can understand that point. I mean I guess the idea is social media, but I mean, I, I, I hear you where the film isn't necessarily oh, about... Oh, in that case, yeah. In that, um, yeah, but at the same time, the movie's not exactly about media, per se. But no, I yeah. Saying. But, I, but it, I, see where he's, I see where he's coming from with that, because yeah. there's like the spawning of social media, which is another factor of media. To it. And whoever said The Insider, by the way, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, 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 The Insider does not get the credit it deserves, and it always upsets me. It's a terrific movie. Uh, Michael Mann. Uh, Al Pacino. <laughs> um, I'll just name other actors. <laughs> Bruce McGill Rob has that one scene. Christopher Bruce Plummer is Mike Wallace. Come on, Bru- Bru- Bruce McGill pops in. He's like, wipe that smug fucking smirk off oh your face. Oh my it's god, really Bruce McGill in that scene is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had one, and now I got Bruce McGill in the mind. Um, oh, what, a movie we like to shout out on the uh, on the podcast: The Paper. Ron Howard's The Paper with Michael Keaton and oh, uh, Glenn Close, yeah. among others. That's a that's a good movie. I know Abe will be happy with that. Uh, last question we have here. Favorite films about farmers. This is in reference to A Hidden Life, the Terrence Malick film that's now Ooh. out, and is very good. Um, Chris writes Black Sheep. Uh, Justin writes Shaun the Sheep and Grapes of Wrath. Jeff has Robert Denny. He put a gif of Robert Denny Jr. in Tropic Thunder saying he's a lead farmer. Um, <laughs> uh, David, friend of the show, writes Star Wars. And uh, Christopher has a... Uh, Christopher wrote, I really want to see the new Terrence Malick film. It may never get to theaters in my area, but hopefully I'll see it on disc by spring 2020. So not an answer, but he's just really excited for the new Terrence Malick film. <laughs> Favorite films about farmers? I don't know. That's weird. Can it, uh, I I guess just because it's the first thing that came to mind, um, I, I saw The Biggest Little Farm this year. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a documentary about... Oh, okay. um, yeah, it was really good. Um, I haven't seen it. I have the screener for it. I want to watch it eventually. But. Yeah, it was. It was. It's worth your time. It's short. All the animals are cute. And it's like very. It takes you through uh, all the all the emotions. Like you're happy, you're sad, you feel contemplative. You know, it's uplifting. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was impressive. I'll throw Babe out there. 
Yeah, that's good yeah, too. Yeah, Babe is great. Yeah. Um, would Giant count? Sure. Yeah. Then, then yeah. I will. I will gladly say Giant. That that's mm. one of uh, up and coming actor James Dean who's going to be in a new movie soon. This is one of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> And if we're gonna go, uh, if we're gonna go, uh, you know, more classic, I, I, I have to just at least mention the Grapes of Wrath. More, more classic than Giant? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was mentioned, but yeah, that's a, it's a good. Of course, it's a good one. I'll yeah. be there. There's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of great documentaries uh, about farming. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you, like you just said, um, uh, Base Little Farm. But do you guys remember like Food Inc? Yeah. Yeah. From a few years ago, like that was another really good one. I thought too. Absolutely. I know there's some other movies about specifically about farming, like movies. There's a lot of movies about characters who they are farmers, but it's not like tremendously integral to the plot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? what what's that movie called? Uh, it's um, it's pretty good. It's on Netflix. It's uh, that Chiwetel for one that he directed. The boy. Oh, the boy who harnessed the wind. Harness the wind. That's what I was like. Boy who invented lightning. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, boy who harnessed the wind. <laughs> Although I'd watch a movie called Boy Who Invented Lightning right away. Um, but yeah, no, Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. I thought that was a pretty good movie. It's a, that, that deals with things. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, yeah, all, I'm just thinking of like how many lines in like movies. And, I, and it, it sucks that I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I'm just thinking of how many lines I've heard of someone saying, you know, I just want to live a peaceful life and tend to my crops or, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like trying to go through. I'm like, isn't Mel Gibson like in The Patriot? Isn't he like a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> you know that and like um the other russell crowe no yeah russell crowe and glad he, he, he just wants to, to he's putting his hand through his crops at his farm <laughs> yeah or like um what's his uh, like i'm sure like arnold and commando is just like living with his daughter hanging out and farming before he's like i gotta call to action kidnap my daughter <laughs> There's so many examples of this. I, you hey, know Dave, what? Dave, Dave with, Batista's the, a farmer and Blade Runner. Dave, Dave, Dave Batista. He, Dave Batista's just uh, farming for like worms and stuff in Blade Runner before Ryan Gosling gets there. There you go. Thespian Dave Batista. <laughs> who I'm, I'm pitching to Godard at this moment to be his next movie. I'm telling you. Avid <laughs> listener right. of the show, Jean-Luc yeah, Godard. Listen, yeah, listener <laughs> of the show, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm saying, check out Batista's work. I would, love to, I would love to know what's on uh, John Luke Godard's uh, top 10 uh, Spotify podcast playlist for 2019. He's a huge comedy Bang Bang fan. He, he loves, <laughs> he's like, I just, I love when Paul F. Tompkins comes on. That's how, that's what he likes to say. But, um, anyway, anyway um, that was that. Now, feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on to, let's start wrapping things up here with a little out now. Presents it's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, streaming, and all that this week. We've got a few things here. Feel free to give a yay or nay to these as I go through them. Uh, first up is Ad Astra. I was a fan of Ad Astra. Didn't see it, but want to. Uh, yay. Uh, Downton Abbey. Meh. Or as I call it, Downtown Abbey. <laughs> uh, I would have liked it more if it was a television movie. I, I, I have like this fundamental disagreement with the fact that it was actually like released in theaters very enough is that gonna go the distance and get like some oscar awards because i'm like sitting here thinking is this really gonna? it, it could for movies? production design and costumes, costumes. It's, it's totally possible all right i just feel like it won emmys for doing this does it need oscars too like, i don't know man i think 1917 is gonna win production design i'm not about winning i'm just saying to be nominated to begin with or it's like yeah maybe yeah anyway rambo last blood it's a movie didn't see it. Yeah. 
didn't see it either. I, I've seen it. I it's it's, it's the worst Rambo. Obama <laughs> 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 bubble. Cute. I liked it. It is my second favorite Yeti movie from the past year. There's been three. I was going to say, it sounds like a little bar. Hey, Missing Link, hilarious, says Aaron Newworth of Wheeler Entertainment. Um, (laughs) Overcomer. That's a football one. That was a football movie? Overcomer? I didn't think it's like. I I did not see this. I think it's one of the faith based movies, but it's. it's, Oh, but that's probably why I didn't see it then. Uh, let's see. Long Day's Journey Into Night. I was a big fan of this movie. Fucking uh, awesome. It's it's really good. It like the whole second hour is like this like very big shot. It's in 3D. It's uh yeah. I, I I'm a fan of this one. Uh, let's see. It will uh, not have the same effect watching it on a small screen. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> um, let's see some specialty stuff here. Oh, only two things. First up, Silver Bullet. The uh, Stephen King adaptation, the werewolf movie. It's on the Scream Factory has a brand new release for that one. A lot of extras and stuff. And uh, look who's talking. The 30th anniversary editions on Blu-ray this week, guys. So get ready. Jesus. Get ready. <laughs> uh, let's see. New to streaming, we have on Netflix Six Underground, as I mentioned, and the Michael Ch- the Michael Bay film, and uh, Ronnie Chang, Asian comedian destroys America! Exclamation point. That's a new comedy special from Ronnie Chang for fans of him. So Netflix on Prime, you have The Expanse Season 4 for fans of that show. I know nothing about it, but it has four seasons, so clearly there are fans. And uh, Bumblebee, speaking of Michael Bay and Transformers, Bumblebee is on Netflix, even though he only produced it. Um, yeah, let's see. Next week's show, next week, that is out now, presents it now. Next week's show, we're talking Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. People have heard of this. It's happening, and we'll see how that goes next week. Uh, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Matt, what should people see in theaters right now? Right now? Yeah, right now. People should, what, what people, what, people are going to listen to this podcast and be like, I guess I'm done with it now. What should we go see? What, what, what should people see right now? I mean, you should definitely see Uncut Gems. Uh, you should definitely see 1917. Uh, what else? Uh, you should definitely see Knives Out. Um... I would also say uh, I'm trying to think of like what's currently playing because um, I, I also feel like I feel like I said 1917 and it's not out yet. But definitely if your theater is showing Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Waves, Honey Boy, uh, I would say go see all of those. All right. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but what do you see next? Uh, I am next seeing uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and then I, uh, because I couldn't take off from work to see both on the same day, I'm going to have to wait to see Cats, which I will be seeing at a public screening on Thursday. Yep, that's uh, that's the way it's got to be for a lot of people. Yep. Probably the universal <laughs> liking. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, Aaron, where's, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, Parasite, for sure, if your theater has it. Uh, otherwise, oh gosh, I liked Ford vs. Ferrari. You can go see that. Oh yeah, I didn't mention that. That's good. Um, Ford v. Ferrari, I guess. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when nineteen seventeen comes out, I would say I'd make that your Christmas. Run uh, to the theater to see that. Yeah. Oh, I'm Not dying as fast to watch. As they run in that movie though, because they run pretty fast. They got to run. Lots of running. running. Yeah. 
Did you know when he falls down, I think you, you'll know, like when he's running and he falls down twice, that was not meant to happen? That's not surprising, but I did not know that. Yeah. That just makes it even better. Was, Seems that was quite a tidbit. Um, it's, a hectic, they, it's a hectic scene. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. <laughs> I, there's a joke I could say, but it's spoil part of the movie, so I won't say it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what, what are you seeing next? Um... Well, I'm seeing Star Wars over the weekend with all the plebes, um, but I might watch, I don't know, I have a bunch of screeners at home. Maybe I'll watch Dark Waters or... Uh, they knew! I like saying that every time. Or, <laughs> or Dark Waters is women, solid. Maybe. Um, I, definitely worth your time, I would say. I, I like Dark Waters. Yeah. yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard good things. So um, probably Dark Waters or maybe Little Women or The Two Popes or something. Oh, Little Women is so good. So, so good. <sighs> Spoiler, they're full size. <laughs> That's not the last time you'll hear that. Anyway, um, Uncut Gems, A Hidden Life, if you can find it, I think it's really good. Waves, if you can find it, also quite good. And you guys have mentioned plenty of other good movies that are also out there. And Star Wars, obviously, is what's going to happen next. It's yeah. He's rising, Skywalker, or something. I don't know, something involving Skywalker's rising. Maybe it's just text. I don't whatever. I love that um, I'm going into that film with literally zero expectations. I mean, I have like, expectations. I mean, no, <laughs> none. I got none. I just it, like because I don't want it to be anything. I'm not like hoping it like like I'm just going in with this expectation of, you know, I'm going to quote the Irishman. It's what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, like I I get that at the same time. Just like, well, it's a J.J. Abrams movie, so it's it'll be fun. Like I know that. Yeah. Part. Like if, if it's more than that. Great. We'll see. Um, but anyway with all that said that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now There and Abe you can find more of my work and my personal blog thecodazeek.com everything I do ends up over there I'm also writing at weliveentertainment.com and I'm actually I'll have a bunch of top 10 lists coming out on whysoblue.com stay tuned for that you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4 Nat Negley where can people find more of your work Uh, they can find my work at nextbestpicture.com we have a podcast called the next best picture podcast and i'm on all of the social media outlets at next best picture where we are covering the oscar race not just during award season but 365 days a year because the next best picture can come from literally anywhere aaron fink where can people find more of you Oh, look at that. You have your own tagline and everything. It's so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you could follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's it's InstaFink um, with an underscore at the end. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm not really reviewing stuff these days. I have an office job and I try to produce on the side. It was another time, another place, and I miss it so. The struggle. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for I sure. definitely align with you on that. I like I you have my sympathies, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was a time where it was what I was doing exclusively, and it was a wonderful time. And uh, I I am jealous of the people that can make it work. So you know, um, yeah. Props to you, Mister Newer. <laughs> I I have a full time job that's that's not related to this at all. But regardless, I'm doing what I can. Um, but hey, thank you both, Aaron and Matt, for joining me this week on the on the podcast here. Yeah, it was a blast. Very thank you for having me. Here. Yeah, you can find you can find more of the episodes of Out Now Thirty on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. They're all various versions of Out Now Podcast or Out Now Underscore Podcast. And yeah, that's gonna do it. So, until next week, when we find out just what's going on with the in the 
than that galaxy that time long ago. That's going to do it. So until then, so long and goodbye. Oh my god, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's one with Paul Dano and uh Yep. Uh, uh Ruby Sparks. Ruby Sparks is the correct answer, you got it. There you go. This is so stressful. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs>